Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. All right. Do we have any lefties here? Raise your hand if you're a lefty. Here's a question for you, an interesting one, just to get things started. If someone invites you to raise your hand, lefties, do you raise your left hand? Yeah, yeah. Right, even that, all on its own, is hard for me to like, wrap my mind around. It's funny how something as simple as that is difficult just to clue into. Lefties, y'all have it hard sometimes. Right? As a right-handed person, or as some people like to refer to us, a normal person, <laughs> never really given much thought as to the day-to-day things that left-handed people have to do uh, or deal with. But boy, were my eyes open this week. Do you know what the Latin word for left is? Does anyone know this one? It's sinister. <laughs> really? Really? And for all of the reasons you might expect, right? Around the world, lefties have often been considered unlucky, deceptive, suspicious. Some have gone so far to claim that the devil's actually left-handed, right? Which is a great company for you guys to be keeping. (laughs) Sounds a little outdated or (laughs) uncivilized. Have you ever received a left-handed compliment? How'd that make you feel? Right? Or has anyone ever told you you had two left feet? It's, it's not a good thing. Right? It's, it's funny, but it's also crazy that to this day, left-handed is still at times used in like a derogatory way. Because let's face it, this is a right-handed world. From ergonomic scissors to basic can openers, from having to bump your hand over the spiral round a notebook, having to reach across the machine to swipe your credit card. Number pads always being on the right hand of a keyboard. Camera shutter button always ready for your right trigger finger. Any video gamers out there, all the powers in your right thumb. From upside down tape measures to backwards chainsaws, lefties get the short end of the deal. Good luck finding a decent selection of left-handed guitars, left-handed golf clubs, anything that felt like it was made with you in mind. Try this one. If you have a zipper on your pants today, look at your zipper. If you don't have one, find a neighbor with a zipper and you can look at theirs. Just kidding, keep your eyes to yourself. Think about it, the flap of material that covers the zipper, it opens to the right, which makes it really easy for a right-handed person to access. Can you imagine having to reach across? It'd be a disaster, especially if you're in a hurry. (laughs) We're having fun this morning, guys. Needless to say, the world hasn't been the most accommodating Right, or, or accepting of lefties, despite the fact that they make up 
of the population, their, their biological dexterity. It serves as a disadvantage in several just daily activities. The question is, might there be a, a flip side to their downside, a strength to their weakness? There was, for the main character in today's scripture reading, Ehud, who's a southpaw assassin. Now, we're going to read almost an entire chapter together because it's really good. If it was a movie, it would be directed by Quentin Tarantino. It is a little graphic. There's some odd characters, and there's, like, comic relief throughout the whole thing. So let's have some fun with this story of Ehud and King Eglon of Moab from Judges 6. And we're going to read from verse 6, or Judges 3, verse 6 to 30. Now again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Getting the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join him, Eglon came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the city of Palms. The Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. Now again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gera, the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with a tribute to King Eglon of Moab. Now Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a cubic long, which he, he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. After Ehud had presented the tribute, he sent on the way those who carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, Leave us, and they all left. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace and said, I have a message from God for you. As the king rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sank in after the blade and his bowels discharged. Ehud did not pull the sword out, and the fat closed over it. Then Ehud went out to the porch. He shut the doors to the upper room and left behind him with the doors locked. After he had gone, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said, he must be relieving himself in the inner room of the palace. They waited to the point of embarrassment. This is in the Bible. I'm not making this up. But when he had not opened the doors of the room, they took the key and unlocked it themselves. There they saw their king fall into the floor, dead. While they waited, Ehud got away. He passed by the stone images and escaped to Sirah. When he arrived there, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim, and the, the Israelites went down with him from the hills, with him leading them. Follow me, he ordered, for the Lord had given Moab, your enemy, into your hands. 
So they followed him down and took possession of the fords of the Jordan that led to Moab. They allowed no one to cross over. At that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all vigorous and strong. Not one escaped. That day, Moab was made subject to Israel, and the land had peace for 80 years. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's a good story, right? Forget House of Dragons for a while. This would sell. That, my friend, is Ehud. He's the first of several judges that we're going to dig into each and every week. And now, justifiably, you might be wondering what on earth we're supposed to take from this story. Right? How could there possibly be a life lesson or a faith lesson hidden in this one? So here's the thing. As we read through the book of Judges together, there are going to be a couple different levels in which we jump in and out of, a couple different levels in which we engage in these stories. Every so often on a, a macro narrative or at a helicopter view of these stories, we're going to ask big questions about how this story, this particular judge, progresses the story of, of the book as a whole. Right? How will each individual judge teach us something about God's greater relationship with Israel? Other times, this is where the real juice is found, we're going to poke and prod at the details of a story, recognizing that they were crafted with I- immense intentionality. Every character description, every plot twist, they're placed there to, to teach us something, to to communicate an idea, a truth, a glimpse into the ways of God and faith. And so we're going to try to have some fun with these stories, enter into them, and in doing so, enter into our own stories, our own journeys. And so on a macro level, this week's reading, it serves as our first introduction to the cycle of the judges. Now, we're going to dig deeper into this concept as weeks go by, but for now, you're simply invited to get a a feel for this internal rhythm. The people do evil in the eyes of the Lord, right? God gets angry, and the people are, are conquered by a foreign nation. The people cry out to God. God raises up a judge and rescues them, and then eventually the people start doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. Over and over. It's like the song that never ends. It just keeps going. So let it suffice to say this week, welcome to the cycle of the judges. It's going to spiral out of control really soon. Let's lean into the juicy details of this week's story. We have a left-handed hero. We have a massively overweight king sitting on a throne. We have a hidden blade that only a sinister southpaw could sneak into a palace. We have guts discharging, visceral fat swallowing, a sword handle. We have embarrassed royal attendants who refuse to enter the room and then followed by a stealthy exit and a slaughtering of 10,000 people. The people of God are free to once again do whatever they see fit. It's a good one. And I bet, has anybody heard of Ehud before this? 
or the details of the story? I bet, I bet very few. It doesn't get read very often. <laughs> Maybe you can tell why. Now, there are only two references in the entire Bible about someone being left-handed. And, and clearly Ehud's left-handedness factors into the plot, so let's go there for a second. Hopefully it came across in the introduction that, that being left-handed, especially in the ancient world, was not necessarily seen as like a strength or a positive trait. Ehud's left-handedness is not a point of envy for the original readers. It's both a unique and at times undesirable trait as, as well as a character description. Right? The ancient reader would have immediately clued in to the fact that Ehud's being set up as a divisive, right? uh, a sinister soldier living in a right-handed world. However, as the plot plays out, we come to realize that his left-handedness is not a disadvantage or weakness, but in fact, it's the key to his success. It's his left-handedness that, that allows him to hide a blade where no one would look. Right, uh, to sneak up to a king without raising suspicion. It's an intentional and ironic casting of a main character. Now humor me for just a, a moment with a, a linguistic tangent. It's already said in, in the, the Hebrew phrase, it's itar yad yamino, it's being left-handed. It only comes up in the Bible twice, and both times are in the book of Judges. The first is describing Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite. And the second is referring to an entire group of Benjamite warriors. And that comes up in chapter 20. Now, these are not randomly included details. And the fact that all the lefties are soldiers from the tribe of Benjamin offering even more literary irony. As the Hebrew name Benjamin literally means son of of my right hand. This type of, of ironic casting, it comes up time and time again throughout the Bible. The younger brother getting the birthright, the, the foreign prostitute helping spies sneak out her window, the, the childless geriatric couple becoming the parents of a nation. It's ironic, it's, it's intentional. It's a creative way to remind people, to remind us that there's no one size fits all when it comes to the type of people God can use to do great things. And if we let them, these characters, today's character, invites us to to reflect on the many left-handed dimensions of our own life. And to reflect on the relationships between our perceived weaknesses and our true strengths. And so I wonder if there are ways in which you feel like you're stuck living in a world that was created without you in mind. Are there areas in your life that you you feel are like unfair disadvantages? Like a lefty struggling with their zipper Are there areas in your life that just seem harder than you feel like they should be? You watch other people juggle all the tasks of life with ease and you wonder why you always feel like you're just fighting to stay afloat. Or you you notice how other people seem to look at things from the bright side 
and are already always excited to embrace a new experience and you wonder why your immediate reaction is, is always to pull back or to go a little dark. You notice how some people are able to let negative interactions or comments just like roll off their back and they can manage their emotions naturally and yet the very same thing can eat at you for days, weeks, months even. Guess I'm just a procrastinator. Guess I'm just too negative, too sensitive. I guess I, I'm just a little physically, emotionally, or spiritually left-handed, right? disadvantaged. But what if it wasn't as simple as weakness equals bad and strength equals good? What if our strengths and weaknesses were, were intimately connected? One and the same, even. Try this on for size. Perhaps you are remarkably principled, but at times it's made you a little judgmental. Perhaps you're easily hurt, but at times it's made you extremely compassionate. Perhaps you're laser focused, but a little one dimensional, cluttered and chaotic, but off the charts creative. You can talk to just about anybody, but at times, a little surface level, humble, but easily pushed aside, offensive, but honest, passionate, but too intense, reckless, but brave. And we could go on and on. What if instead of strengths and weaknesses, advantages and disadvantages, we began to see ourselves as just us. And better yet, what if you began to really love the you that you saw? The intentional and ironic casting throughout the Bible, the left-handed heroes, the divine baby being born of a, a poor, unwed teenager, they remind us that, that our strengths and weaknesses are not separate dimensions to our identity, but they're often related, one and the same even. We're reminded that the people God uses are exactly who they're supposed to be. What if the self-perceived weaknesses that our egos tell us to squash in order to, to become stronger were, were in fact the root of our superpowers? What if Ehud fought his left-handedness and tried to fit into a right-handed world, he would have lost his eventual superpower. Parker J. Palmer once said of himself, I, I now know myself to be a person of weakness and strength, liability and giftedness, darkness and light. I now know that, that to be whole means to reject none of it but to embrace all of it. Friends, I've come to know that there is no version of me that's void of weakness, but there is a version of me that has become more aware of my weaknesses and, and in choosing to embrace them, ends up being affected by them less often. So you, 
like the full version of you with all your strengths and weaknesses, all your quirks and idiosyncrasies, that you, that unedited full version of you, looks supremely good. You're the masterpiece of a loving God and you end up reflecting the source in Christian circles, we, we call it being created in the image of God. And so you, with all of your left-handedness laid bare, you are desperately needed in the world, in your places of work, in your family, within your various relationships. You're, you're not a lefty living in a right-handed world. You're you, and the world's lucky to have you. Now, I'll admit it. It was a bit of an odd story this morning. Come back, because next week's is no less odd. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Ehud assassinating an overweight king with a double-sided, left-handed blade. And yet, this story has been passed on and carefully preserved for 4,000 years or so. You see, one of the themes that we're going to bump into over and over is that as God raises up judge after judge, Leader after leader, is it almost never is it the kind of person that you'd expect for that role. Thanks be to God, because maybe there is still a use for someone like you, <laughs> someone like me, with all of our upsides and downsides, rough sides and smooth sides. It turns out, even though the world has not always been kind and accommodating to lefties, they have managed just fine. In fact, when being surprised that the only two left-handed references in the Bible were both soldiers, I decided to look into some other famous left-handed soldiers throughout history, and I was shocked. Turns out, Joan of Arc, Napoleon, Ramses the Great, Alexander the Great, Emperor Tiberius, Charlemagne, as well as Julius Caesar, we're all lefties, all wildly successful in battle. So forget trying to fit into a right-handed world. An awareness of yourself and an acceptance of who you are might just be the catalyst that, that you need, that we all need to begin living into our true strengths. You be you, because no one else can do it. Amen.